Hey everybody and welcome back to the Trail Connection Podcast. This week we are heading up to Springer Mountain in the Appalachian Trail in Georgia. And I got with me riding shotgun Brad O'Hearn, who's known for being wise beyond his years and a grower of a majestic beard. It's a little short today. I was, I was, I was just looking at the video. I was like, man, that's a good looking beard right there. <laughs> it is. It is a good looking beard. It's on my face. So Brad, why don't you uh, take a minute and introduce yourself and, and tell the audience a little bit about your background and what makes you a qualified individual to be on the Trail Connection? Ooh, ooh. Qualified <laughs> is a uh, very loose term. Yeah. Just go with it. In this, in this case, for sure. Well, you know, I don't even know where to begin. I guess I've grown up camping and I don't know if that's my dad grew up camping I, don't, I actually don't know how much he camped when he was young but or if he was influenced by his his service in the military but we we lived in southern New Jersey I started first grade in southern New Jersey and people will get this idea about Jersey that it's all city and everybody's kind of a, a jerk but where we lived was actually a really small town called Tabernacle, New Jersey, and uh, a lot of cranberry bogs, a lot of people that we went to church with were cranberry farmers and lived right on the edge of Wharton State Forest. Okay. So we did a little bit of camping in that area, but um, we would go, like I remember a trip with, with my mom going to upstate New York and camping. Um, so I did that, we, we camped a lot, like when we would come down to North Carolina to visit my grandparents camp on their property. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, we grew up camping. Then we moved from New Jersey to North Dakota. Me and my dad spent some time out in Teddy Roosevelt National Park out on the western part of the state, mm-hmm. pretty much to Montana yeah. and like the North Dakota Badlands. And that was really cool. Got a, some stories from there. And then from there, we moved to Utah. And that was kind of where I made it my own because by that time I was a freshman in high school, or no, sorry. A junior in high school at that point mm-hmm. and I had a Jeep Cherokee which is like perfect vehicle for those kind of trips and yeah to go up into the mountains find a place to hike or or um, just find a reservoir to go fishing or drive up to a campsite and just camp or a trailhead and start backpacking but yeah um, so I, I I don't know. I mean, it, I grew up with it. I had wonderful experience doing it, enjoyed it a lot. Um, and just, it became really important to get out and, and get away from society and kind of just, I mean, we, I grew up right before the era of smartphones and cell phones and all that. So, yeah. uh, we didn't, I didn't have a cell phone until like freshman sophomore year of high school only and the only reason I had it was because we drove like I was I was on the cross country and track team and 
when you're in North Dakota, the closest school is like two miles or two hours away. Oh, wow. So, like, we would go on these for these meets that would last like all day. We'd leave school at lunchtime, Mm -hmm. drive there, do these track meets, and then be back. And it'd be like nine, 10 o'clock at night. So, like, that cell phone was there to just call parents, let them know when we're coming home and stuff like that. Yeah. So, that was really the only reason I had a cell phone. And so all before that, we, I mean, you didn't have to disconnect like you do today. Today, like I'm super stoked to go on this trip because I get to turn the phone off. I get to Mm -hmm. disconnect from like, I mean, I'm not that messy. Like they don't, they're not contacting me from work, but the phone yeah. goes off and I am like, oh, okay, well, I better just check this work email just to see if it's pertinent to me, you know? Yeah. So turning all that off, being in God's country land and just hearing the birds chirp and the fire crackle and, and the streams run, you know, it's just so comforting yeah. to be in that environment and um, not have to worry about the things of, of the world, of society, you know, just get away from it all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited to get up here. I'm I'm a mountain man trapped in the swamp. And uh, I I grew up going to North Carolina and, and up to Tennessee for vacations all the time with my family. And I feel like that's where I should have grew up because, I mean, that's where I feel at home the most, even though I'm born and raised in Florida and, and growing up in the same neighborhood. I still live in the same neighborhood I grew up in. Um, you know, that that's home, but it... I just I feel a different like connection when I'm when I'm up in the mountains and so any opportunity I get to to break state lines and get up there and get in the foothills or get up in the in the mountains is uh, really exciting for me and something I look forward to uh, a lot. Um, so today we are we're going to be heading up to well we are heading up today and uh, we're going to be putting in right at uh, the base of Springer Mountain doing a couple days heading north and uh so this episode we're going to talk a little bit about the prep for the trip obviously we're driving uh so we're not hiking just yet but uh by the time we get done with this we will be putting on a trail and we're gonna do a couple days uh well, a couple nights and then uh, pull off on our third day and uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the gear we chose to take and the route we're going to take and kind of prepping for the trip. So Brad's never been on the Appalachian Trail before. This will be my second leg of the trip. Brad, what are you what are you thinking? How are you feeling about getting up here and getting going? You know, I'm gonna rely on your expertise now that you've, you've I've done it one time. One section. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, I'm. This is my first multi-day backpacking trip and. I feel like I'm pretty well prepared, maybe a little overpacked, but I'm ready for it. I mean, I think we were talking this morning about our weights and we're about the same. I mean, I think I was around 45, 50 pounds and that's what you said you were at, but yeah, I was you, got all the, you got all the equipment and I'm just, just there for the ride you know yeah so yeah well i think i was able to uh shave off about 25 pounds from what i took last year so (laughs) i don't think that you overpacked nearly as much as i did last year 
but uh, I, I focused a lot on just cutting out stuff that had no business being in the pack, stuff I didn't even touch. I thought I would need, but I just didn't. Um, made more sense to have that extra stuff if I was going for a lot longer period of time, but even then, uh, just a lot of extra, extra weight, it's unnecessary. And I felt that extra weight about 30 seconds onto the trail <laughs> last time. So, didn't want to do that again. Uh, so the route we're going to take is still kind of up in the air. We know where we're putting in, um, kind of have a general idea of where we're planning on pulling out uh, for the night tonight. And uh, I do know since we're getting a partial day in today, I want to get uh, a good amount hiked, but uh, I don't want to overdo it the first day. We'll just find a, a nice spot to post up tonight uh, and then probably hit the peak of Springer Mountain tomorrow and maybe go a little further than that, put in a good long day tomorrow, because it'll be our only full day. And then uh, get going on uh, Thursday morning after breakfast and, and hike a short little stint and pull off uh, somewhere around Cooper Gap. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking it'll be about 20 miles total if we're able to do that. Um, might be pushing it, but we'll see. We'll see how far we can go. So let's talk a little bit about the stuff we chose to bring. Um, what you got um what you got for your sleeping arrangement what'd you decide on bringing so i i borrowed a tent from my brother-in-law a single one-man tent because the only other tent i have is a two-man tent for me and my wife and uh so it's a eureka single man tent i've only built it one time it's way lighter than what i had and it seems pretty spacious and, and it's got some cool features on it. Um, as far as like sleeping pad, using the Thermarest, um, outdoor vital sleeping bag, I think it's good down to like 20 degrees. I don't know. I'd have to double check on what it's rated for, but okay. used it a couple times. Kept me plenty warm and, and the lows only being like the mid to high 40s, I think it'll be plenty warm for what we're doing this weekend or this week yeah um, i'm excited for that temperature man it's yeah it's barely creeping creeping down uh in florida it's still up pretty high and uh you could feel it as soon as we as soon as we stop to get some gas up here in georgia you can already feel the, the lightness in the air the cool breeze so mm -hmm. i am pumped to get some cooler weather and yeah. sleep in some nice cold weather uh, yeah, I chose a, a tent as well this time. Last year, I, I took a hammock, and uh, it was good to, for versatility. I mean, a lot of different places that, that we could hang it as long as there were trees. But um, I, I had, like, one major regret last time, and that was uh, we, we came up on Chihuahua Ball, which is a beautiful vista uh, on the section that we did, and it was like a, a meadow on top of the mountain and they're the perfect spot to camp and we couldn't because both of us had hammocks and uh i just i don't want to kick myself this time I, I, if we find a cool spot like that i want to be able to to sleep wherever we want to so i chose to go that route i've got a uh, alps engineering one-man tent um used it a couple times and uh, i'm excited to kind of get that thing broke in a little bit more um typically i am in a hammock when i'm down in florida uh but excited to get get the tent pick, uh, pitched up tonight. Uh, I also got a um, 
climate, uh, thermal, uh, sleeping pads, inflatable. Um, I got the, the Lux version, which is about 30 inches wide. So it's, it's about just as wide as the inside of that tent, which is really nice. Um, so that's what I'll be going with. And I also have a, um, just a pretty low end, um, of the spectrum Teton, um, on multi-season bag. Uh, I think it goes down to like 20 degrees. Um, but yeah, again, that thing we've used it several times and I really like it. Um, it's, it keeps me warm for the most part and, uh, it was affordable in a good, good price range for what I was needing at the time when I got, got started. So haven't upgraded that part yet. Well, we just got our sleeping bags last, was it two Christmases ago or the last Christmas? Cause no, it was last Christmas cause we went on a camping trip just with my cousins just up to my uncle's farm just to get out, you know, get out in the outdoors and just enjoy that time. But it wasn't real, like, car, I mean, it was car camping yeah. on a property that was near a house so you could use a toilet. Yeah. But uh, my wife and I, we, one thing I learned from when you and I went back in, in behind your house, that was the first time I used my equipment, was like, I was sliding around on my, on my thermarest with my mat or with my sleeping bag yeah and i just kept falling off of it because it's like a teardrop shape mm -hmm. so one thing that we did different when we went with my cousins was i put the sleeping pad in the mat or in the sleeping bag yeah and that worked really well the only problem was our sleeping bags can zip together and so we we're like oh yeah that'd be cool like like me and my wife and we can zip the bags together and and be like we're at home you know yeah but the problem is one those mattress or the sleeping pads were teardrop shaped and we each have one so it was like the two heads would want to be together and either the the um the tail ends would want to split to the other corners or yeah. it would just create a rift so yeah. one person if we were like snuggling would be like on the ground yeah and and also like rolling around that big now the sleeping bag opening was much larger yeah. because they're zipped together so we just let in cold air and right. so my wife froze all night and so we decided we'd never probably use that feature ever again because yeah. it just it froze us out that yeah. night i wonder if you could take those pads and like flip, flip them in for in so like the teardrop sheets yeah. kind of yeah. mesh together we thought about that or i thought about that after the fact yeah. but the, the fact is like there's such a uh like the inside of the bag is already really slick and yeah. the mattress is slick. So I feel like it would just, it, one, the one person wouldn't have a head because it's yeah. the, the skinny part yeah. and it would just probably drift off anyway. So yeah. it's probably just. Well, another, another option you can think about too, if y'all wanted to give that another shot in the future is uh, climate makes a, a double uh, thermal pad as mm -hmm. well. Um, probably, I don't remember exactly the dimensions on it, but it's it's basically like a two-person pad um it's real nice inflatable check that out if you want to um so as far as uh clothing goes we we talked a little bit about the temperatures we're expecting it's it's going to be probably in the uh, upper 70s in the day probably at the peak and then um you know in the evenings and overnight probably dropping down in the mid 40s so i just brought my normal hiking pants and a couple long sleeve dry fit shirts um, 
and I got a couple short sleeves as well, and then like a pullover, uh, like rain jacket type mm. deal. Um, and I, I expect to stay pretty warm. I don't, I don't think it's going to get too terribly chilly. I mean, we might get some dra- drafts up there yeah. for up on a peak, but um, these these Columbia pants that I've gotten a couple years ago, um, I really like a lot because I, I don't know um, exactly the science behind it, but. Uh, technology is really great because I feel like if I need to be cool they keep me cool if I need to be warm they keep me warm and I don't really need an additional layer underneath so the temperatures that we're going to be in are perfect for that so I got a couple pair of those and a couple pair of shirts uh, you know typical extra extra set of clothing there in case I get wet yeah. um, what do you got as far as your cooking utensils um that same year that I got my my sleeping bag, sleeping pad, uh, my cousin got me a, I think it's GSR Hellite or Hellulite uh, Kettleist. So it's got a little kettle, and with that came like a little like a little bowl, mm-hmm. and uh, and he also got me a uh, a little stove that just mounts directly to one of the uh, fuel canisters and I've used it a few times and it's it works perfect it's a a Primus or a Primus so um, had no issues with it so far and it just folds down and that's all I really brought as far as uh, like utensils or anything like that I mean besides just pocket knife and and in that little uh, bowl there is like a little foldable spork thing yeah so yeah as far as cooking supplies that's all i brought yeah i kind of, kind of got the same setup just a little pocket stove and um mm-hmm. and a jet boil can and then uh, a little pot for boiling water um i just decided to go with a couple mountain house meals for for dinner um and then i've got some kind of snacky type food to to get some protein throughout the day uh, what about you? Yeah, Mountain House meal. Um, I think I got like two dinner ones and like one for just a breakfast, and then uh, got a bunch of Cliff Bars. Uh, I know we were talking about earlier the uh, the uh, applesauce, mm-hmm. squeezable applesauces. Yeah. Um, and oh yeah, like the tuna fish in a bag kind of deal. Yeah got some flavors so so uh, you got your long spoon long handle spoon well I got that little spork but I mean they come with little spoons I'm kind of interested to see how well they work I mean I don't know if it'll work too well one of the one of the cool things about uh, being on this trail is uh, there's a lot of like community up there Mm -hmm. and I ran into a guy last year when we were up on the trail that highly recommended getting a long handled spoon for your uh, your freeze dried meals keeps your knuckles clean uh, yeah and uh, so I went ahead and picked me up one of those and that was uh, that was a must so speaking of uh, community on this trail so I, I heard a rumor I don't know if this is true but I think it's probably more typical for through hikers but uh, apparently there's some trail etiquette to where you pick a trail name Okay. going hiking right. and uh, me and John didn't do this last year because I didn't I didn't know anything about it but uh, 
apparently you're supposed to pick a pick a name to refer as, refer to yourself as when you get on the trail. Uh, so I thought that might be a fun little exercise for us to do. So uh, I don't know, maybe while we're while we're talking, you can think about a name. I'll, I'll think one for you. You think one for me, and All then right. we'll, we have to go with whatever we get. Ooh man. <laughs> so I don't. We'll put you on the spot. We'll, we'll just kind of get back on topic here, and if one comes to mind, you can mm. throw it out there. So, um, as far as other gear that uh, I got packed in there, um, I didn't bring a whole lot of uh, like utensils for for cutting, other than like pocket knife. I got um, short little like 18 inch machete type deal with a saw blade on it. I don't plan on cutting anything um, up. You know, just try to use whatever sticks are around or, or little logs are around but it might be good to have some kind of uh protection and same kind of wildlife if we uh, get attacked by anything <laughs> well yeah. i'd like to see you go toe to toe with your little knife and wildlife yeah it'll make this trip a lot more interesting listen i i know the rhyme for coral snakes so i can handle anything yeah you and uh you and our recent guest Joseph, yeah, taking out bull elephants, yeah, with your coral snake knowledge. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get back up here and, and get going. And uh, so, I, I wanted to put in at the trailhead um, just to kind of kick things off with with the podcast. And, and we're talking about you know new beginnings and new journeys and all that stuff. Um, you know the trailhead is like it's the place to start and i'm not it's not a convenient for me to get up to maine and, and uh hike it north south um so i figured we start right down here in the south uh, our neighbor state above us and, and get heading up there so build your tolerance for that cold weather yeah man florida so, boy yeah so uh let's see trail name I'll give you a trail name I didn't put a whole lot of forethought into this. I probably should have. <laughs> uh, man, I listened to I listened to all your podcasts so far, and ever since that first one, like where you talk about being a dreamer and and not like in the past you haven't followed through with your projects. So that's always stuck with me, yeah. and you know that's that's where. The inspiration, the inspirado, came from, or was for your nickname that I have for you. Okay. You and, got? you know, I'm kind of bouncing between the two. It's either Dreamweaver or Dreamcatcher. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, whatever uh, you want, man. I think we should go with Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver. Then you can sing along the trail. I knew you were going to say that, too. <laughs> I knew it. A Dreamweaver song. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, I, uh, I've been going back and forth a little bit on, uh, on yours too. I, so I mentioned that, uh, at the beginning of my introduction for you, that I think that you're wise beyond your years. Um, uh, and, uh, so I was kicking around the name, maybe, uh, like wise man child or something like wise that. Wise man child. <laughs> Man, now you came up with that. Now I feel like I got, I got to come up with something a little more. I don't know. 
in depth than Dreamweaver. <laughs> I don't know. That was very thoughtful. Of me. Yeah. You're going back to the roots, Scott. I got my super fan here with me on the on the trip. No, since day one. Yeah, since day one. I, on a serious note, Brad Brad has been super supportive of this this project. I kind of um, bounced this idea off of him at the get go. Um, you know, I talked to my wife about it first, and then he was probably the second person to hear about it. And uh, very encouraging to to get it going. So um, I'm happy to have him as a guest on the show and and help me kind of develop it a little bit. And uh, he's gotten a hard job of uh, having to listen to my garbage the first couple times to see if it was worth putting out on there. <laughs> so do I get a credit when, like, the credits roll at the end of yeah. your podcast, like editor-in-chief? No, you no. just get your face on a full episode. That's, two that's, two, two full, full episodes. episodes. Two that's full more episodes. than anybody else so exactly. far. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting pretty. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the ultimate prize right yeah. there. That's true. Can't but seriously, I uh, I appreciate Brad being able to to take time to do this. He he, along with everyone else who's been involved with this so far, has been super flexible. Um, because although I'm a dreamer and a big time planner, I'm really bad at at getting things done like ahead of time. <laughs> so it was kind of last minute getting him to come with me on the trip, and uh, also appreciate his wife allowing him to come with her current state of me with child yeah with child <laughs> getting real close to the end too so yeah. yeah that was uh it's real cool for her to allow me to do this before the baby comes because afterwards you know things get all down bogged down there, yeah all you would down. know yeah I know. you would know <laughs> no it's uh it's a blessing to have every single one of those kids and there's struggles that come with it but uh i wouldn't trade it for the world man they're yeah. they're awesome changes your life changes you and uh, your father it's gonna be fun man well having met all your children I have to say that you've done a pretty decent job I appreciate that <laughs> thanks no you've they're all equally better than des- uh, decent they're, they're all equally crazy yeah so, in their own way so um let's see here we talked a lot about uh, like some of the gear that we had but we we're talking a lot more in depth this morning about different things. You want to kind of revisit that? Yeah, so this morning we were talking less about what gear we packed and more about how we packed it because anybody who's worn a backpack on their back um, knows that weight distribution is critical for comfort especially over a long period of time so I mean as a relatively newbie relative newbie at the whole backpacking concept I mean I just got on YouTube and and watched a quick video and the first one that popped up was like REI how to pack a backpack yeah and her the girl on their little tutorial was like okay hey here's your backpack um, how I usually set it up is put soft, squishy stuff at the bottom as like a lumbar support cushion. And then, so she put like her sleeping bag and like pillow, stuff like that down at the bottom of the bag. Yeah. And then, uh, heavier items in the middle and then lighter stuff on top. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's pretty much how I did it. I put my 
my pillow, my Thermarest pillow, and my Thermarest sleeping pad down at the bottom, and then put my, my clothes for the next day, and then I put my heavier items, like my food and my, my kettle and my stove, in a dry bag on top of that. And then the other thing she said was, uh, you want to put your tent or your whatever your shelter is going to be near the top in case of uh, inclement weather and you got to set up quick. And so you want that, you don't want to dig, pull all your stuff out right. just to get your tent out. So I put my tent right near the top, right underneath my, like one of another little snack bag and my raincoat. Right. So uh, quickly grab the raincoat, grab the tent, and start putting it together so that you get out of the rain. Yeah. And I mean, we're about to find out to see if that was a wise choice or not, you know, with yeah. that, that arrangement, so. Yeah, mine, uh, my tent rolls up pretty nice and, and packs on the outside of my bag, so that's super convenient if we need to drop it real quick and set it up. You know, I don't really even have to get into my bag for anything. Mm-hmm. I can get in there and get in the shelter, um, you know, and then kind of dig in. And uh, so that works out pretty nicely. Um, yeah, I've kind of found that same same type of setup works pretty well. I mean, I've kind of got, it's always playing Tetris, you know, trying to get your gear in there just right so you can maximize your space and, and make sure that you get, get every every little piece of gear that you want to take in there. And I was really pat myself on the back this morning as I, or yesterday morning as I was getting everything prepped and ready to go that I was shedding a lot of stuff that I didn't need and it got down to putting it all in the bag and man like, I don't feel like I cut that much out I mean it's like between the clothing that I have in a, in a dry bag for extra days and then my food for a couple days um, really the only like optional piece of gear that I that I put in my bag was my uh my rain fly for my tent um that's actually for my hammock but i brought it um as extra protection for my tent in case we did get into some kind of uh, rain or if we just needed some shelter you know to kind of get out of out of some some rain storms or whatever but forecast really isn't calling for much rain except for this afternoon um probably be clear the rest of the time we're up here but you never know um and that was one mistake I made last year was like preparing for any kind of scenario and you just that's a fine line you can't do that when you're backpacking every time you go because you're just going to take way too much stuff which I did last year and I had I had more more gear that I was like rummaging past to get to what I needed last year than I plan on having this go around so we'll see we'll see how I do um but one thing's for sure, no matter who you talk to, anybody who has ever backpacked at all, they will say the number one mistake all first-timers make is you take way too much stuff. So we'll see. We'll see if you, uh, yeah. where you fall on that ring. So. <laughs> I, mean, I know you've done backpacking before, but it's just uh, you know, a trail like this. and yeah. You never know. So. And, you know, I feel like I only packed the bare essentials or what I consider the bare essentials you know and yeah I mean like you said we'll we'll find out today 
the real test will be when we get out on that trail and see what I really use and what I wish I had left, you know? Yeah. But just because I, I don't use it on this trip doesn't mean it wouldn't be useful on another trip. So I might still end up bagging it no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. You just never know. Yeah. And so I mentioned in uh, episode two about the, the comfort items that I like to bring. Um, I did bring those with me this time, but I think it's going to be kind of a game time decision on whether or not I actually take them or not. Um, and to be honest, like I probably would leave them. I probably would leave them in the truck. Um, if it weren't for the fact that we're, we're going to be recording our second part of this episode on our, our last day. And, um, that setup, the table and the, the chair has been a real nice setup um, for that aspect. But really, I, I don't think I'm going to need it. And uh, it'll probably be um, more of a hassle than anything uh, to have those two extra items with me. So I I might just leave them in the truck. Uh, we'll see. You'll have to tune in and see what I end up doing with your cliffhanger for the for the week. See if Tim took my, my chair. <laughs> Uh, we'll see how the sit, the scene is set up for that second part of it for the episode. <laughs> but um, all right, so while we're talking about what we think is the bare essentials and the uh, absolute items, what what is one item that you absolutely have to have with you no matter what um, that you packed this, this time around? Uh, I mean, besides like. Besides the the absolute bare essentials, shelter and like something to sleep on, yeah. um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with pocket knife. You know, yeah. I carry one every day, and I use it every day. Mm-hmm. So to to think about going on a trip like this or or hitting the trail without at least a, a pocket knife, if not a fixed blade. I just I don't know how you're gonna make and even honestly if you watch the survival shows like my dad told me about the history channel one called uh, alone which was is a really cool one that is a cool show and pretty much every the guy who won the first the first season he he said his most important thing was his knife and a pot like that just because you're gonna boil everything include like it holds your water you can wash stuff in it so like a pot some kind of uh water holding device and and a knife like that's it's really what you need yeah every time yeah for me um that one's a tough one man i I probably should have thought about that question before i asked you (laughs) about what my rebuttal is going to be but um I, i think that i've mentioned it before um I really think that my sleeping pad is like up there. I mean, as far as like core survivalist materials, yeah, absolutely got to have shelter, got to have some kind of cutting utensil, something to to make food in, Mm -hmm. um, or at least get water, pure water in. Right. Um, But I mean, as far as like a piece of gear that, you know, if I had to choose between the the square footage in my bag, you know, I think for another five miles. I okay, I, I think that uh, I think I'm gonna have to take that pad every time, just because I've I've slept on 
bare ground before, um, you know, and that's pretty much all I did growing up was sleep in a sleeping bag on yep. bare ground in a tent. Yep. And when you're a kid, it doesn't matter, but I'm an old fart now. I'm just turned 32 years old and I gotta protect my back. Yeah. <laughs> but that the pad is just, it's super comfortable and um, it kinda, it makes, it makes the long hike days a little bit easier and a little bit more exciting when you have a good night's sleep. And uh, so, you know, I just, I look forward to being comfortable at night and then waking up refreshed and ready to start the next day and, and take on whatever the trail throws at me. So that'd probably be my pick. And you even got, even in the name of your of your sleeping pad, Lux. Yeah. Brings, uh, brings <laughs> things of luxuriousness. Yeah. You know, mine, mine's just like a, it, it sounds like you're crushing like wafer crackers. <laughs> like, the thing is just yeah. tiny and it's, it's barely big enough for your body. Yeah. And it's just to keep you off the ground. Yours, man, you're going, getting a little luxurious on me. Yeah. Well, that comfort, you know, you can, but I, maybe I'll, maybe I'll understand when I'm your age, man. Yeah. An old geezer like you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to, oh, so water purification, what you got for that? You know, right now with the budget being what it is and, and baby on the way, I have not, I'm probably not where I would like to be in that, in that realm. I've just got a life straw. Okay. And I've got a, my Camelback, I filled up with water at the house, um, which is RO water. And then that's all I got right now. So okay. I'm hoping to fill, I brought a, I brought uh, my clean canteen. I feel, figure I, I fill that up with water and then suck the water out with my life straw instead of doing what they show on the package and like laying down next to a stream and suck it in out of a puddle or something. Well, you should have got yourself a Sawyer squeeze, man. They're not that expensive. And, uh, I got the, the one that I got, uh, last year was like the kit. It came with, um, like three different sized, uh, bags that you roll up and mm-hmm. they've got a, a fitting, like a water bottle fitting on each end of each one. And then that squeeze, uh, screws right onto the top of that. So you literally fill up the packet of uh, the, the container with water, mm-hmm. screw the filter on top, and then you drink right from that, like you're drinking from a, a water bottle from a okay. convenience store, and it it works great. Um, and uh, it's it's I can't remember off the top of my head exactly like what the longevity of it, but it's good for a really long time as far as the filtration uh, effectiveness goes. And I, I reached out to the manufacturer. Um, couple days ago because I hadn't used mine in a long time and and they assured me with a simple back flush through the through the filter body um, you know it'll clean everything up and you can you can get it going again right away so uh, that's what I'm going with and and it's there's just like a a freshness to the mountain streams that that's really cool Um, and I already feel like it's clean water, but you never want to take a chance with that. Always, mm-hmm. always purify your water either by boiling it or using some kind of filter system. And, um, but nothing was more refreshing last year that I remember than uh, than filling up those pouches and and getting that good clean mountain spring water through that filter. So hopefully that works out for us, and we can find some good water sources. Uh, along this leg i've got the same i got a 
I've got a two liter hydration pack um, that I got filled up as well. And then I've got those, those pouches with mm -hmm. the filter that I'll be using. <clears throat> All right, so did you do any kind of uh, training or any kind of like prep for, for this hike or you just kind of going in cold turkey to see what happens? A little bit of both almost. Like I didn't, it's not like I've been training my legs too, too much. I've been running most of my life. I mean, I started track in fifth grade and uh, ran it all the way up to my junior year and then ran cross country from eighth grade till my senior year. So, and then I've, I've run off and on since then. Mm -hmm. uh, right now I'm training for uh, Ragnar, uh, trail run event, which is a, it's like a relay race with this one. I've done, I've done two others in the past that were road races. You had 12 people and you had a van and you hand off and, uh, six people per van. This one is a little different in, in the fact that it's, it's trail running and it's in the same spot. So it's three different loops and there's only six people on a team. So I'm really excited for that because I've always loved trail running and um, haven't had an opportunity except for like one time to do, and that wasn't really a tr like true trail run. Uh, there was a 10K called Utah's Toughest 10K. And uh, so I've been, I've been training for that a little bit and that's about all I've done really. I mean, I stay pretty active, I hit the gym at work and then I I work out at the house but I've never I don't focus too much on the legs because I've always been pretty pretty uh, well set yeah in that on the lower body I've always been pretty scrawny up top so I've been doing a lot of strengthening my core and upper back and stuff like that so I think I'm pretty well suited I guess we'll see yeah. and we get uh, start doing this so last time uh first time ever going on going on the trail first time ever doing backpacking hike like completely new like as green as you could be mm -hmm. did not really do a whole lot of prep other than a few trips out to uh to my secret spot and uh you know a couple miles here and there with a fully fully loaded pack um and I thought, you know, hey, I'd be good to go. I'm used to, I'm used to hiking in mountains, you know, growing up and all that kind of stuff. It, it won't be that big of a deal. And uh, we pulled up, put in on that trail, and I'm not kidding you. Like two minutes in, I had like a panic attack because I could not. My heart rate was through the roof. I could barely breathe. Like I was breathing so heavy, and like I was starting to get lightheaded. And it was just, I don't know, it just seemed like everything kind of hit me at once. And I immediately thought, Tim, you are an idiot. What did you just do? You got dropped off for three days in the wilderness. Like, your ride is late. She's left. She, she's gone. And you got this giant pack on your back that you can't, you can't do it. You're just not going to be able to do it. And so um, that <laughs> was not the great greatest way to be introduced to backpacking. But... Um, I was able to kind of calm myself down and took a breather, got my, uh, got my breathing under control and my heart rate back down and 
went right to it and I didn't have any more issues the rest of the, the trip. I mean, it was hard and, you know, I worked muscles that I wasn't planning on working, but um, as far as like being physically able to do it, it, it was fine, but I just kind of had a little minor uh, anxiety attack there at the, at the get go. So I don't expect to have the same thing happen this time, but we'll see. Yeah. So what have you been doing from last year to this year to prepare yourself? Anything? Cutting weight. Cutting weight. Cutting weight. on your backpack or <laughs> on your body as well? Around my midsection. Okay. okay. No, um, actually, uh, mostly in the pack, but, um, I have been uh, doing some physical activity here recently, trying to get a little bit of my uh, my dad body um, <laughs> toned toned back up. So I'm trying to lose a little bit of gut and um, just kind of get used to exercising and and being physically active. My my job requires me to to make rounds, but walking up and down stairs quite a bit, but that's about it. And there's not a whole lot of physical demands to it. So it just the normal, you know, activity of playing with my kids and, and getting out on any kind of trail as, as much as possible. And, um, I've done probably about, uh, probably six, six or seven miles total, like with my full pack and extra gear, um, you know, filming a few of these episodes early on, uh, here in the last, you know, three to four weeks. And, um, so I, I feel pretty good. Um, I don't think that it's going to be as much of a, a shock to my system as it was last time for sure. And I, I think once we get going, you know, the muscle memory will kick in and everything will be, be fine. But plus I got a, I got a better pack now and you got the one I used last time. <laughs> So hopefully it serves well and yeah. doesn't hurt you. Well, I can tell you, I, I mean, I've got my my ideal pack that I've got in my wish list that I have not been able to afford as of yet. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, this one's a big step up from what I used that one time you and I went. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, it packed well. And, uh, and I walked around the house a little bit with it, and I, I think I'll be all right. You know, I'm uh, got a pretty high t- pain tolerance, and, and I'm not gonna quit. Like, uh, so I'll be pushing you if you're pushing me. And right. We're gonna get this thing knocked out. And we're yeah. Gonna, we're gonna have fun doing it. Yeah. So one thing that uh, I think is pretty cool uh, that I, I definitely want to try to do if we have an opportunity to is um, there's along the way uh, for anybody who's watching this that may not be familiar with uh, how the trails set up and everything there's positions throughout you know different cities and, and areas where uh, they're kind of like known areas for hikers to to refuel you know get more uh, get more supplies and, and get some good meals and all that kind of stuff and um, you know one of the places that we stopped last time was uh, was pretty a pretty popular stop but um, it's always interesting whenever you come into those areas to kind of see like, um, you know, the specialty type gear that they've got for this, this sport. I've grown up in Florida, like there are not many areas you can go get backpacking supplies or like ultralight supplies other than your typical, you know, Bass Pro Shop or, um, you know, we've got, we've got an REI semi close to where we're at in the Tampa area over towards Orlando Winter Park area. Um, but you know that's got to be like a special trip to go out there yeah. 
otherwise you know you just get like the the typical walmart special stuff which is not it, it works but it's not ideal for you know if you're you're really serious about getting good gear and all that so i just like seeing what's available and touching it feeling it you know seeing what the weight is and all that so i'm looking forward to um i think there's one or two of those shops um along the route we're gonna go because it of it being a uh, a popular destination i mean with it being the trailhead it's either where you're beginning or where you're ending if you're doing a through hike so there's always going to be a little bit more uh, availability there so i'm excited to kind of see what they've got to offer yeah. and just check out some gear and see what's out there well i i 100 agree with you even getting ready for this trip i was a little dismayed at the the lack of availability of, of stores where you can, like we have a Bass Pro and Dick's and Walmart that's all we got yeah. and I know uh, not too long ago I sent you an article and a, and a few of my friends I saw they are putting an uh, REI in Tampa but I mean who knows how long that's going to take and, and hopefully they can kind of expedite that because that would be that'd be awesome to have yeah. so close because yeah Orlando is not a fun place to be yep yeah. So great for the convenience, terrible for my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my wife teases me a lot. I, I'm going to say it's teasing, but um, she tells me I every time I go in the woods, I spend I spend money, <laughs> and that's that's partly true. I mean, I do I I just like testing stuff out and, and trying out different things, and and um, it can get a little pricey, and and you know. I justify it as, you know, I might spend fifteen, twenty dollars on, on a small piece of gear or something to test out as opposed to like hundred and fifty dollars on a new fishing pole or, you know, whatever. But yeah, to each his own, I guess. Yeah. But uh but yeah, I I just think that um where where we live, geographical location it makes it difficult for those types of stores to thrive because I mean in, in the time that I've kind of started getting into this and talking with people and, and meeting meeting people who are interested in the same thing, like there's a lot of people in the Tampa Bay area that do this kind of thing and, and have this interest, either you know weekend warrior type setup or like you know some dedicated people who have actually done like large sections of trails or through hikes, um, but. You know, they're, they're all we're all kind of in the same boat. Like we live in that area, but we don't have access to the stuff that you know our hobby is. And so I think that vocation will probably do really, really well. You know, when, once they get it in and going. And, yeah. I mean, if you if you look at Florida, Tampa's kind of probably I would even venture to say maybe the worst spot in florida for outdoor activities because if you if you look at orlando you got there's a there's wilderness right outside of orlando like uh, we were looking at going to kiwa springs and then you got ocala to the north with the national forest and and up north there's a lot of going on and then down south you got uh you got the everglades which isn't really conducive for for camping but uh, definitely exploring. I know we were talking earlier about going to Dry Tortuga, and uh, and one of the least 
visited national parks, so get out there and visit your national parks. Yeah. Um, but as far as just the Tampa Bay area, I mean, we got uh, a, up in Brooksville area, you got the Croom uh, track of uh, national forest there, but really it's, there's not much going on in the, in the, the greater Tampa Bay area. And yeah. being a guy who's lived around the country and visited a lot of different places, it's kind of disheartening, especially coming here from Utah, yeah. uh, where you go 20 minutes, like we were on, uh, we were right on the mountains, we were in the Salt Lake area, and you could just go right, you just drive towards the mountains and you could find a place to camp or hike or fish or whatever, and out here, I mean, fishing's huge, I, I mean, you can't, can't speak to that because I haven't done as much fishing out here that than as much as I did back in Utah. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of people who fish, so oh, yeah. you could you could do that all day long. Um, but as far as hiking, like it's just hiking around in sand with very little elevation change and in a pine forest, and so there's not really much to see. Yeah, I mean there's there are some hidden gems here and there, right. but I mean overall, I mean you're, you're right there are. There's not a whole lot of, you know, variation to the terrain, but, you know, Florida is a, uh, a like, a world-renowned place to, for saltwater fishing, and, you know, there's a lot of really cool, uh, cool places to do that, that type of thing, but, uh, for what we're talking about and what we're, uh, we're focused on here, you know, it's, it doesn't really meet our needs very much, but, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of neat things like, you know, the, like our last episode, um, doing that, that kayak run. I, I had known about that area, but never knew how awesome that, that place was. So that's one thing about this, this podcast and and this project I've got going on is like, I want to, I want to learn from those around me that, that know about these special places that I don't, I mean, I've, I've grown up in Florida my whole life and there's still a ton of stuff that I haven't explored in my own backyard so um, it's exciting to to just have discussions and, and meet different people and and talk about things that they've experienced and, and share that kind of information and um, who knows man you might be able to find uh, something really awesome like 30 minutes away from Tampa <laughs> but uh, yeah. but anyway all right so we're getting pretty close to the end of our journey up to Springer Mountain. I'm gonna be getting here and getting out of the truck and beginning our northern set here pretty soon. So I wanted to say thank you to everybody who took time to listen and watch this episode, and thank you to Brad for being a part of this these these episodes. And we're doing a two-parter here, like I mentioned, and uh, we'll be bringing the second part in a couple weeks, uh, talking about our trip and and sharing some experiences from the trails. So. Thanks again for taking the time to come out and come up with me. And uh, I'm excited to see what we're what we're up against here. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be on the podcast and talk to you and have these conversations. And I hope that uh, it was enjoyable for everybody who's watching and listening today. And yeah, yeah. Thanks, Tim. No problem. Until next time, this is the Trail Connection. Mm-hmm.